Where is God when you need Him? Pastor Xavier Reese knows the answer. Yahweh command Jacob, return to the land of your fathers and to your family. Similar to the call of Abraham, except this is a return. Yahweh comforted Jacob, and I will be with you. This is a renewed promise from that of Bethel in chapter 28, 20 years earlier. God did not forget him. God's timing is a whole different thing, so don't think that God has forgotten you. It says, and God remember Noah. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. No amount of insurance can protect you from bad decisions, but there is an assurance that you can find in following God's Word. Today, as he continues his study in the book of Genesis, Pastor Xavier shows us what happens when we put our trust in man rather than God. Let's join him for this study from the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 31, we're going to be looking at the entire chapter. And the message is entitled, I Want What You Have. Rebecca, the mother of Jacob, thought it would be a few days until the anger of Esau would subside. But Jacob spent 20 years in Penarum under the University of Uncle Laban. He received the blessing from his father, Isaac, and he was sent to search a wife out and to take him from the family of Naor. He was... Um, Encountered by God at Bethel, as you know, and promised that he would be with him, bless him, bring him back to the land of his father. He had been deceived on his honeymoon night and given Leah instead of Rachel. He has acquired two wives, two surrogate wives. He ends up with 13 children, 12 sons and one daughter. He has made an arrangement with Laban to become financially secure. And God has made him very, very, very wealthy. Consequently, he is now seen as a threat. And things are becoming very uncomfortable. And so what we have before us here in this chapter is the departure of Jacob back to Canaan which unfolds for us in three movements. And because of the length of the chapter, we'll read it as we go along. These are the three movements. First, you have the revelation for the departure, verse 1 through 21. Second, you have the confrontation due to the departure, verse 22 to 35. And lastly, the resolution of the departure in verses 36 to 55. The revelation for the departure is given to us in this first 21 verses. Notice verse 1 and 2. The wealth of Jacob became a problem to his in-laws, making them envious. The sons of Laban were told in verse 1, voiced their greedy accusations of Jacob. By the way, the first verse looks back to verse 43 of the previous chapter. The fact that Jacob had become very wealthy, and Jacob heard the words of Laban's sons. They weren't very nice. Their perverted perspective is given there in verse 1 also. It was expressed to each other. Jacob has taken away all that our, was our father's, and from what was our father's, he has acquired all his wealth. They're greedy little buzzards. 
you know them. They're in our families. They're among our friends. Welcome to the human race. <laughs> Verse 2, Laban also had changed towards Jacob. And Jacob also saw here the discontent of Laban. Jacob witnessed the countenance of Laban for himself. And the word their countenance means the expression of his eyes. And, and you know what that is, parents, when, when your kid's doing something, you go, you know, and the kid goes, oh, shoot, I'm in trouble. <laughs> you can read it, okay? Jacob was not perceived by Laban, notice, as before with favor, but rather disfavor. The prosperity of Jacob caused Laban to perceive Jacob as a liability rather than an asset. It is interesting how nice people are to you as long as it's to their benefit. And you're the greatest guy until you draw some lines, until you point some things out. Verse 3 through 13, the God of Jacob reveals that he was to depart. So this was not a decision made by Jacob. God is the one who asked him to leave, in fact, commanded him. In verse 3, God spoke to Jacob. Yahweh commanded Jacob, return to the land of your fathers and to your family. Similar to the call of Abraham, except this is a return. Yahweh comforted Jacob, and I will be with you. The presence of God on Jacob's behalf is repeated over and over again through the narrative here. Verse 5, verse 29, 42, 53, over and over again. This is a renewed promise from that of Bethel in chapter 28, 20 years earlier. God did not forget him. God's timing is a whole different thing. So don't think that God has forgotten you. It says, and God remember Noah. <laughs> Notice in verse 4, Jacob calls Rachel and Leah to the field to his flocks and spoke to them privately because it was a touchy thing that was going on. Rachel is first on his list. He still has the greater affection for her. She always comes first. The custom was that women needed the permission of their fathers to leave. A little different than society today. Verse 5 through 8, Jacob reveals to them their father's injustices. He told them in verse 5 of Laban's recent change of attitude towards his prosperity. And also he told them, but the God of my father has been with me. So through this whole explanation, he, he, he mentions God and then he focuses on God. He wants to see where his wife's hearts are towards him. Very important. In verse 6, he communicated to them his faithful service to Laban. They had personally witnessed it for 20 years, this whole labor of his. And so he told them of their father's uh, deceptiveness in verse 7 to change his wages 10 times, what I'm sure they were very aware of. And the word deceptiveness there means to mock with public ridicule in such a way that the public reputation suffered as a result. So Uncle Laban was quite a guy. And there are people like that. They have power, they have influence, and, and they want to control, they want to rule. You find them in the world, you find them in the church. You find them in the pew, you find them in the pulpit. <laughs> no exemption. Verse 7, he pointed out to them by sharp contrast the faithfulness of God. But God did not allow him to hurt me, to do violence to me. It's God and for God. And the only reason I'm standing, because of him. And so he informs them in verse 8 there of Laban's dishonest greed. If he said thus, the speckle shall be your wages, then all the flocks were speckled. And if he said, 
the streak shall be your wages, then all the flock bore streak. In other words, Laban was an opportunity. He kept changing the thing. Now, this is not a contradiction to the arrangement of chapter 30, but this is more detailed. It's a supplement to it. So he changed the rules all along because he saw God blessing Jacob, so then he turned it around. Okay, I'll take the other ones. No, you take these. I'll take the other ones. But God kept blessing them anyway. Verse 9, Jacob revealed to them it was God who blessed them. He just, he nails it. He told them God had taken away the livestock of Laban and given them to him. The phrase taken away means to rescue and is used for danger of death, implying giving these animals a better life. Whoa, interesting. Now, when you get to verse 10, down to 13, Jacob revealed how God had given him the prosperity. So he unfolds it for them so they understand. Verse 10, he told them God gave him a dream of the streak, speckle, and gray spotted flocks mating. And then he told him, verse 11 and 12, that the angel of God spoke to him very directly in the dream and told him that the multiplication of the flocks was due to all the injustices Laban had done to him. When you think that God is unaware of the things that go on in your life by people who want to do evil to you, keep this in mind. I've told you often, our God is Jewish. He keeps good books. This is without doubt Jesus speaking as the angel of God most often called the angel of the Lord that we've seen in Genesis 21, 17, 28, 12, and other portions. Notice in verse 13, he told them he identified himself as the God of Bethel, where he had anointed the pillar and made a vow to him. There God had promised Jacob protection, provisions, and prosperity and safe return. God is now fulfilling it. 20 years later, You've been praying about some for 24 hours, a week, a decade. Still in verse 13, he told him the command of Yahweh that had given to him. Now arise, get out of this land and return to the land of your families. God gave the go. The response of Rachel and Leah was favorable. We get that in verse 14 through 16. This is what he was hoping for, but he was looking for it. Verse 14, they agreed with Jacob. Is there still any portion of inheritance for us in our father's house? Laban had taken everything for himself and was going to give it to his sons and had given it to them. He kind of discarded his daughters. Verse 15, they saw themselves also having been merchandise. We are not considered strangers by him? Are we not? Yes, he's treated like strangers. He's not... Hasn't been loving and affectionate towards us. He's cast us off. He says, for he has sold us and also completely consumed our money. Laban has spent their dowry. The money that Jacob had given to Laban for the daughters was to be like a, 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 a dowry, which was a, a, a savings account in the event that the daughter was ever divorced in the future. She would have something to live on. He had spent it. Kind of dad does that. And then says, I love you, honey. Notice verse 16. They stated the wealth taken from their father by the hand of God was theirs and encouraged Jacob to obey God. For all these riches which God has taken from our father are really ours and our children. Now then, whatever God has said to you, do it. Oh, it's so great when husbands and wives agree on what God has said. Do it. And you do only what God 
tells you you both agree. When you're not agreed with the authority of God's word in your life as family, as husband and wife and ever, your home will be divided. There can only be one authority in the home. It isn't the husbands. It isn't the wives. It's the word of God. Notice the timing for the departure was perfect, verse 17 through 21. In verse 17 and 18, Jacob quickly made preparations. He prepared his family. Jacob rose up. He set his sons and his wives on camels. Uh, verse 18, he prepared all the livestock, the possessions that he had acquired there in Padaram to go to his father Isaac in the land of Canaan. And then Rachel made her own preparations. She's quite a gal. Verse 19, she's much like her daddy and has become like her husband too. That's a great combination, huh? For evil. She did it when Laban was shearing the sheep, verse 19 tells us. She stole the household gods of Laban. Don't ever think that Laban knows God, okay? The word stolen there is key. You find it in verse 26, 27, 30, 39, other portions. It kind of reminisces what happened with Jacob as he stole the birthright from his brother. Notice the word there, household gods, teraphims. They're idol images and believed to be inheritance rights uh, for the one who possessed them. According to the Nusu tablets uh, of the 15th century B.C. that were discovered in the excavations in 1930. So a lot of excavations happen and we learn, confirm a lot of the things that are in the Bible. And the Bible is culturally accurate all the time. And, and we've proven this through the years, through centuries. Uh, there has never been one archaeological dig that has contradicted anything in the Bible. In fact, it has confirmed and affirmed uh, what the men of uh, so-called intelligence mock so often. Now... Others also say that these things um, were for fertility and for protection. And, and we can understand that because if you came out of the Catholic background, you used to wear your little St. Christopher to make sure he's going to take care of you. And then, you know, if you're going to be uh, driving, you'd have a patron saint, you know, I don't know, as a Jew that protects you in travel or whatever it is, you know. I mean, but I think he got kicked out. I, I don't know. They found out he wasn't a saint or something. But, you know, you have all these superstitious pagan things that you do. You know what I mean? And certain saints do certain things, it, it, it's pagan. Verse 20, Jacob made his flight in haste then. Verse 26, the phrase stole away unknown literally means stole the heart of Laban. Again, the parallel fleeing, having deceived his father Isaac of the birthright. Upon implying Laban as the arch deceiver and thief, that is why he did not tell him. The deceiver became deceived. The con got conned. <laughs> Uncle Laban was much, much better at it. He leaves unknown because Laban was the master deceiver. Look at verse 21. Jacob was making good time. He fled with all that he had at age 97. <laughs> he was 77, 75 when he came. It's 20 years later. He crossed the Euphrates about 50 miles west of Aaron, and he headed towards the mountains of Gilead about 250 more miles, a total of about 300 miles. Envy gave the permission to leave. Hmm. In South America, there's a strange vine known as the matador, beginning at the foot of the tree. It slowly makes its way to the top of the tree, and as it grows, it kills the tree. And when it reaches the very top, it sends a flower 
to crown itself. Matador means killer. This is envy. It appears harmless when it is small. But it is allowed to grow. And if it is allowed to grow, its tendrils of malice and hatred soon clasp themselves around the heart and eventually kill the soul. Envy. We all know it. We've seen it in action. There are a few things that ruin relationships more than money. Families have been torn apart as they fight for their share of the inheritance. Nothing brings out the buzzers and the claws like death. It's a horrible thing what money does. 1 Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money is the root of all evil, all kinds of evil. Not money, the love of money. For which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. There are those that will envy you just because you have possessions through your hard work. Maybe you have a new car. Maybe because you get to go on vacations every year. Or maybe because you have your house and you take care of it. Ecclesiastes 4.4 says, Again, I saw that for all toil and every skillful workman is envied by his neighbor. This also is vanity and clasping for the wind. This is the nature of man, sinful. Nothing will pay off more than hard, honest work. Whatever type of work you do. Live where you're at. Make a budget. Live on a budget. By the way, you have a budget. Whether you've ever made a budget or not. You have a good budget or a bad budget? If you haven't made a budget, you have a bad budget. Live where you're at. Always put a dime away. Then there are still others that act as friends and partners, but they're creating dissension, talking behind your back. They're actually working against you. Proverbs 24, 29 says, Do not say, I will do to him just as he has done to me. I will render to the man according to his works. Revenge and vengeance is never the solution. You have to deal with it, but you don't want to get this attitude. The revelation of the departure was God-ordained. It was time to leave. Some of you, God says, it's time to leave where you're at. <laughs> The confrontation due to the departure comes next, verse 22 to 35. In verse 22 to 24, the pursuit of Jacob by Laban was equally in haste. Notice in verse 22, Laban was told the third day that Jacob had fled. Probably freaked him out pretty good. Uh, he knew he couldn't waste time. And in verse 23, Laban pursued without rest. He took his brethren with him. He pursued for seven days, a little over 48 0.85 miles per day for seven days, totaling about 300. Jacob had a three-day start, so he covered about 30 miles a day for 10 days. He overtook him in the mountains, it says there, of Gilead. And so Laban then had a little visit that he didn't expect, a visit from God in verse 24. <laughs> but God had come to Laban, the Syrian, in a dream by night. But he doesn't know God, neither does Cyrus, neither did Nebuchadnezzar at first. 
God speaks to leaders. God speaks to pagans. God speaks and warns. And then he waits to see what people will do. In fact, he calls Cyrus his anointed. He calls him out by name. 150 years before he was born to defeat Babylon. The word but marks the sharp contrast of God's disapproval of Laban and the protection of Jacob. And notice God told Laban, be careful that you speak to Jacob neither good nor bad. The warning was mercy. Laban did not know the Lord. Joshua 24.2 tells us the family of Naor were pagans. They didn't know Yahweh. Now the confrontation of Jacob by Laban was very hostile. We find this in verse 25 through 30. Look at verse 25. Laban caught up with Jacob. Uh, he overtook him again, pitches tents in, in the mountains. His brethren set up the camps. The tension and anxiety must have been great. Can you imagine what dinner was like that night? You've been to some of those dinners? <laughs> Could you pass salt? Hmm. Nobody says nothing. You can hear everybody chewing. Men and equipment at work. <laughs> Look at verse 26 and 27. Laban pushes the boundaries of God's warnings, accusing Jacob of stealing from him. In verse 26, Laban said to Jacob, What have you done? that you have stolen away unknown to me. The very same words that Jacob told Laban the morning after his honeymoon. What have you done? Well, tables are turned now. This is complete hypocrisy. Laban is a phony. He accuses in verse 26, Jacob of forcing them as captives by the sword. And carried away my daughters like captives taken with the sword. You forced them at the, at the point of your sword. They would have never left. You know, I mean, the stuff that, that Laban is saying is so off the wall. But listen, listen. This is where Laban lives. There are people that I know that they have a false perception of themselves. They don't see themselves as others see them. They really believe that they're godly, righteous, and they're a bunch of dogs. They don't see it because this is where they live. That's why it's called self-deception. He pleads ignorance. Why did you flee away secretly and steal away from me and not tell me, verse 27 says. So Laban attempts to present himself as a loving, affectionate family head. For I might have sent you away with joy, song, timbrel, and harp. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. Weedy, weedy, weedy. And then in verse 28, Laban tries to make Jacob be the bad guy. Isn't that the way it is with people who are manipulated? They're just liars. You and you did not allow me to kiss my sons and my daughter. Oh, he pulls the emotional card. This is where society is today. Forget truth. Let's deal with emotional issues. That's why juries are handpicked. When they interview you for a jury, if you're a straight shooter and you say there's right and wrong, you'll be the first off. They want people who make decisions based on emotions. Truth is relevant. Now you have done foolishly in so doing. And so in verse 29, Laban attempts to intimidate Jacob and present himself as godly. He tells Jacob, it is in my power to do harm to you, which was a lie. 
He gives a semblance of spirituality, but the God of your father spoke to me last night. He says, be careful that you speak to Jacob neither good nor bad. Yeah, and, and, and. Didn't help, did it? I'm amazed at the lack of God fear of some people that call themselves Christians. No fear. Pastor Xavier Reese and the danger of trusting in your own emotions rather than the Word of God. And you can pick up a copy of today's interesting lesson, I Want What You Have. It's available on CD for only $4. Be sure and share this important message with a brother or sister in the Lord. The title to ask for once again is, I Want What You Have. Or simply mention today's date when you write, Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please, be sure and give us the call letters of this station when you get in touch. Scripture tells us why it's important to keep the right company. Listen in next time with Pastor Xavier Reese right here on the next edition of Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 